Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. I'm Shang Peng, Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now. Also, you can find my work at MEC Sharks and on Twitter at Shang underscore Peng. And I'm Keegan McNally. You can find me on Twitter at Halfwell underscore Hockey at my website, half-wallhockey.com or at San Jose Hockey Now. Shang, this week, what do we got? Kind of exciting episode. We have a very trade deadline focused episode. Talk with Mike Santos, who has been on the show before. He's the head of Team 33. That's not the new team that could be in Salt Lake City or in Atlanta or whatever. Team 33, if you guys remember from a summer podcast with them, it's an independent scouting service. All former NHL scouts or former NHL front office people working there. And so I wanted to get his opinion of what they're seeing out of the Sharks players this year. Obviously, the Sharks have struggled, but what are they seeing out of Anthony Duclair's? The skating still there. Um, what do they like about Amara Ferraro? Uh, Nico Sturm, what can he add to a contender? How good is Kapokakinen? The questions like that. And so anyway, wanted to get a good idea of that. And also, we talked a little bit about trade uh, pick values with them too. And so anyway, that's all kind of a trade deadline, give you kind of a primer of what the Sharks have what they might expect in a trade. And so just a couple of teases. He likes Ferraro a lot, doesn't like Randlin as much. And so anyway, uh, listen to that later in, in this uh, podcast. Now we've got a full hour of breaking down most of the uh, Sharks UFA to be um, trade bait targets. So it's it's a good And a couple uh, more besides the UFAs. Yeah, exactly. And some ones that have just been kind of in the news, um, like like Ferraro and Grandlin, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So uh great interview with mike you guys should stick around for it uh before then we're gonna have a, a little bit of discussion that not too too much has happened since the last time that we um spoke with y'all but we're gonna cover the injuries the injury news related to uh couture and hurdle um and some of their expected timelines for return um the two games that they played just the the loss to winnipeg and the uh win the triumphant win against calgary uh, a little bit about the play of Philip Zadina in that game. Um, an interesting uh, set of quotes from uh, Kevin LeBanc this week. Um, and then finally, we'll we'll go into the Mike Santos interview. So that's all that's coming up on this week's episode of the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. All right. What you got, Chang? Well, I think actually we have a lot to talk, a lot of news, but uh, maybe mm -hmm. there's not too much insight to provide on it. First, you mentioned the injuries, Tomas Hurdle and Logan Couture. Uh, Tomas Hurdle getting his knee cleaned up uh, once again, and uh, we don't know his timeline. He had uh, he had surgery on his knee. Now, this is not his 2020. He had a torn ACL-MCL 2013, of course, torn ACL-MCL. This isn't that. That's the mm -hmm. good news. This is just a cleanup. But uh, anyway, no timeline on him yet. Uh, we'll find out. I think uh, it is a kind of a, a interesting uh, timing of it all. If you read the statement, it's as blatant uh, a tank statement <laughs> as I've ever seen. <laughs> I can play, uh, to paraphrase, I could I could play, but we just decided I'd be better if I... <laughs> yeah. I, I, and he would just play it in the All-Star game. And they decided I mean, he was healthy he, he enough for that. He didn't look great in All-Star game, I would say that. He he looked like he was uh, doing a good imitation of Eric Carlson, of course, call back to 2019 All-Star when mm -hmm. uh, Eric played the All-Star game in San Jose, even though he looked like he was kind of uh, giving it about 70% with his groin injury and actually turned out to be well-founded. He was obviously very, very hurt, and he didn't come back um, until the near the end of the season. Yeah. 
And so we should at least expect multiple weeks uh, from now for yes, him to be back. That's what they said. Several weeks. Uh, we will keep checking on, on a timeline. Uh, maybe he'll be out uh, for the rest of the season. I'm not really sure. But of course, the timing and the statement of it is all, all kind of uh, interesting. Um, mm. Next, we have Logan Couture. And Logan Couture, unfortunately, a setback. Um, from his deep groin issue, uh, the the pu- I gotta look it up again, but osteitis <laughs> pubis. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Um. So, uh, setback uh, from that after the All Star break. That is, I think, uh, pretty concerning. Um. Uh, just considering that yeah. he had nine days or so off. Um. Unlike Hurdle, Hurdle had an All Star game to get to, right? So, kind of, kind of made sense. Um. To give to give Hurdle a little bit of time at first, you know, when it first came out and before the news came out that. Hurdle was going to clean up his knee. Um, but anyway, uh, with uh, Couture, it's a setback. We just have no timeline right now. And so uh, we'll see. Hopefully he recovers quickly. I think for him, uh, I think it's going to be tough uh, if, if, if they shut him down just because he's had really not a lot of success this season. And so it's going to be really a lost season for him. So I think it'll be good if uh, if uh, if a Couture can come back and just have a strong finish just so he can build off that into next season. And uh, going back yeah. to Hurdle, actually, I want to ask, ask you what you think about this. How much of a concern do you think is the, once again, another knee issue, even though it's just a kind of cleanup? I mean, how do you how do you kind of see uh, Hurdle or Couture? How do you how do you see both both uh, both injuries? I think it, it's interesting because the fans and, and a lot of people always expect like medical procedures or or these kind of things to be hockey players basically to be robots right like or, or cars right like you put oil mm-hmm. in your car and it gets better or you you, you yeah. like just do these procedures and in some ways hurdles is kind of like that it's like at a certain point you need this clean out and it's not that invasive a procedure so he should be okay okay um i think is, is the way that i would think about it and mm-hmm. players get these kind of things done on uh, arthroscopically like they just get little scopes done on their knee and it's not that big of a deal um but you never know somebody with prior knee issues, how they're going to react after surgery. But I, I'd say it's not as big of a deal as like Kurt Couture's I'd say is more because of your, he, he gave so much time to the rehab, right? Like however many months the recovery, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. The recovery, the, the trying to make sure that he's comfortable back on the ice and then what changed to make him uncomfortable is kind of concerning. And the, the issue seems to be lingering a lot more than, um, obviously he would like and in a season like this there's obviously i don't think there's a rush to get him back out there but you're right like he didn't he, he didn't look amazing in the six games that he even really played when he came back um the sharks didn't either but i mean well, actually they had a little bit of success i think they were good uh in terms of their record yeah. but like individually i think uh, Logan look was doing a lot of the right things but you know he was smart positionally as he always is but yeah he didn't have a lot of pop not a lot of offense so um, yeah, so so I think that uh, I think just for his, he talked a lot about the mental health of coming back and just um, just like how much he's struggling when he was sitting out. So I think mm-hmm. for him, unlike Hurdle, who's an all star and Hurdle kind of returned to form and he doesn't need that sort of that 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 feel good ending of the season because he's already had a good season. Couture, though, sure. I think could use a few games. I'm not saying that Couture needs to come back and score a point per game for the last 25 games of the season, but even just a couple of weeks coming back, feeling good, contributing, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, will will be will be good. Yeah, and the other and and Hurdle is a little bit younger as well. Couture is in the end last stage of his career, um, so I, I I do wonder about um, his longevity with with his injury. Um, 
But you never know. These things can turn around pretty quickly. And uh, the reason why I, I, I ask you in particular, Keegan, if you want to speak a little bit to your medical expertise. Sure. I mean, I'm not a so I'm not a um, I'm not a sports medicine doctor, an orthopedic doctor. I, I'm an emergency doctor, so I work in the emergency department. Um, but, um, you know, I love hockey, so I've been following these kind of injuries for a long time. And I see you know, more acute injuries than this. But like I, from a my medical background, I could I could surmise a little bit about these kind of things. So I'm not like, again, I'm not an orthopedic, I'm not a sports yeah. med doc, just an ER doc. But <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so that's kind of the the my background. But it, these like the Couture one is it, to me is interesting just because of how much time and they didn't they opted for an, and no surgical intervention and right it's, and it's that might have happened right yeah and there is just looking through things about this injury there are surgical options it just depends on what um, basically part of the pelvis is involved and stuff like that so. I don't know. Maybe something to for him to explore in the off season if it's gonna keep lingering. But well, I don't know. Like it's I don't know what uh, Eric Carlson's precise groin injury was, but mm -hmm. of course it took. It seemed like it took Eric a good like year or two, like two years to really like get back in a consistent. The skating is good. It wasn't until I think not not just the year before, not just last year, but twenty twenty one twenty two, where it really felt like like we were seeing consistently the the close to the Eric Carlson that we're used to. And True. so I don't, I don't know if there's any kind of worry with that, with considering that Couture is um, it basically in his mid thirties. So if he has a surgery, just how long it's going to take for him to come back Recover. to 100% if he ever does. Yeah. Um, wishing for the best. It is an interesting timing though. Um, the the tankathon the sharks are actually just gaining points on on yeah Chicago every week. <laughs> How'd happen? They're getting Connor Bedard back. How do the sharks gain points on him? <laughs> ah, they got Connor Bedard back this week. Um, <laughs> so here's hoping that he just goes on a tear, becomes super rookie, and scores yeah. like 25 goals in the next couple of games. But I don't know. It's a lot for for a really bad team in Chicago. But the sharks, yeah, their their center depth is decimated. After we thought yeah. that they might have an actual okay um center depth basically they, they yeah, don't yeah, anymore yeah. Um, yeah but uh yeah so wishing um the best for both couture and hurdle um but either way uh let's talk a little bit about the two games that that we mm. we uh watched this week i will say the winnipeg game was the one of the most boring games of hockey I, I've seen in a very long time. <laughs> oh, for the, for the Sharks it was. Yeah, not for not for yeah. Winnipeg. Uh, but yeah. I want to speak, though, quickly about that game, Kapokakinen. Mm -hmm. uh, not only, of course, he made 38 saves, I think. Yeah, that was uh, great. Only allowed one, but it it's it's bore out in the stats. Uh, I just was looking at it. Um, according to different, uh, different uh, sites or measurements have kind of different standards, but uh, Kakinen... Leads uh, right now, uh, Sport Logic. He has the best, um, the best inner slot save percentage in the in the league. That's according to to Sport Logic. All situations. I looked at NHL.com. They have slightly different, but they have him the 83rd percentile of all high danger uh, save percentage in, in the league. And I think Natural Statric had him. Um, I think it was like fourth in their measure of high danger save percentage. So however way you cut it, uh, uh, Kakinen is having a great year. And also to spoil a little bit about the Mike Santos interview, he they like him too. They're pretty yeah, high like on him. Yeah, like him quite a bit, yeah. 
Yeah, Team 33 is very high on my uh, Capo Kakinen. So, I yeah, want to see in the spoiler again if they um want to keep him for the year or if they're thinking more about trading him because he is a UFA to be. So, yep. Um, but he had an amazing, uh, amazing game that game. And mm-hmm. he at the very end, it was um like there was a little bit about the possible injury with him too, right? It seems, I mean, it seems like he said, he said, he said he was okay. And that's one of those things yeah. where none of us were, none of the local reporters were, were there. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, we did, we, but we, we made a request to speak with Capo. This before his injury, uh, just because he was having such a great game. He was the star of the game for the Sharks. I actually think he got first start of the game, even though they're in Winnipeg, which is unusual. Uh, but anyway, um, he came out and, and talked with us over Zoom. And sure. often, not all the time, but oftentimes when a player is hurt, especially if he's seriously hurt, he's not going to come out and speak with the media, even if we ask uh, for him. Um, so usually. And so this was a case where where, where Koppel came out, which is a good sign. Oh, also, too, actually, more importantly, he backed up uh, Mackenzie Block with the next night. So, yeah. He, yeah. so he, he should be fine. So I don't think – I think it's a non-issue. Look bad. It looked really bad, uh, and considering the Sharks' injury luck this year, it's like, oh, here we go again. But, yep. um, yeah, I, I think it's a non-issue. Same thing with Sturm at the end of that game, too, right? Like, it right, looks bad. bad, but Fine. play the next game. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, in contrast to one of the most boring games from the Sharks, uh, the next night they have one of the most fun games. Like, I right. was having a great time the entire, the entire game watching this uh, Sharks team beat a Calgary team that's very up and down this season in terms of their, their consistency. Um, why do let's just, let's, let's go through it a little bit. We don't normally do game breakdowns, but let's talk about Zadina because this was a special sure. night from Zadina. Yep. Career high four points. Yeah. What, what'd you see out of him? He looked, he just looked like I, I put a, a, post on Twitter where it was like all of a sudden Zadina woke up and remembered how to play hockey. Like he just was like, he plugged into the matrix and was like, Whoa, actually I can do this fine. And nobody, it, it, it was, it's interesting to see because the guys drafted, you know, fifth overall, whatever he is, there's clearly six, a lot yeah. of six overall. There's clearly a lot of skill that's been there. It's just for however long, how many years since he's been drafted, it's hard for a coach to, to tap yeah, into six it. Years, yeah. It's just every year. It's like, when is it going to happen? And it hasn't. And then you look at this game and you go, oh my God, like if this guy could play this way every game, this guy's a superstar, but what is happening that, that prevents it. Um, but he, he really was, he just, he handled the puck. Well, he had, you know, great handling, kept the, um, kept the play alive in the offensive zone constantly, um, found the next play to then get back in position to shoot the puck. It was just perfect. Um, from him. Yeah, I'm not going to be quite as high. I mean, I like Zadina, and I've talked a lot sure. about, we've talked a lot about Zadina this year, but um, I think he benefited from a couple of uh, very, very curious decisions by Calgary defensemen on their breakout passes. <laughs> curious. Um, yes, that's a nice way to put it, right? So mm-hmm. one that Zadina intercepted and gave to Granlin, and mm-hmm. the other one, what Bailey uh, uh, took, and uh, Zadina just, um, you know, great patience from Zadina, uh, went yeah. for the extra pass instead of the shot, which I was watching. I was like, oh, this looks like, I was like, this is going to be another bad, like this, he should have shot a moment, but no, uh, it was a great pass and uh, Bailey uh, roofed it. And then the goals, I mean, that deflection, I mean, what you like about it was actually the basicness of that play. It wasn't the skill. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, he beat his guy to the front and Sturm just lobbed it in front and Zadina put his stick there and it rainbowed. I don't think that kind of that that kind of deflection is necessarily what um, 
what 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 Zadina we can count on him to do all the time. That kind of uh, circus kind of deflection shot. So helps but... when the goal goaltender is like five foot eleven or whatever. Yeah, right. But but the, the the key the key to that is just basic hockey, just going to the net, mm. right, and beating beating your check to the net. And finally, his last goal, nice shot. Um, yeah. and, but we and we do see that from Zadina from time to time. But I didn't see a lot here that 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 told me that this was going to kick off some sort of. Um, yeah. uh a, a great zadina revival but it does remind me though that uh once again and i've written about zadina a lot i've written this point that i think if you can play a basic game uh the points will come and so i like the basic part of uh on the four check sure. when he intercepts the pass right he's in the right position i don't know if he did anything great defensively to 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 kind of gold i think it was hannafin into making that pass but he was in the right position Full credit to him. And also, he had the patience when he attacked the net. He waited on Granlin to join him in the end instead of just taking a shot, which would be what you know a more basic player would. What I would do if I was out there, if I if I suddenly come up with this turnover and suddenly uh, uh, the goalie's right in front of me, I just shoot it. I'm not I'm not waiting for 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 uh, for Granlin to jump on ice. So that's so that's good. That patience was uh, was noteworthy there. And then um and then and then like I said, the deflection goal just go to the net. And so I think I think with that I think. So I guess I would I would I would I would uh, kind of say that is Adina's takeaway from this game is that that you know this is going to be the beginning of like his ascent to fulfilling his draft potential. Um, I wouldn't look at it that way. I think yeah. if he looks at it a different way, as good defense leads to good offense, and just keep thinking that way. I think he can play in this league. I do think that. I and I said that many times. I, I think that uh, I like his speed. He works hard. He's deceptively strong. Um, so I think if he irons out sort of like his defensive zone coverage, which he alluded to uh, after the game, that's something that he's worked on. And we've seen that in the beginning of the season. Also, yeah. too, he's also very rough with the puck in terms of um, taking chances that he shouldn't, especially in the beginning of the season. He, he was doing that. Actually, I was looking at some uh, sport logic stats in terms of turnover rate and whatnot. And Zadina is up there among forwards. And so the intentions are the right place for him. But um, but those kind of things are the things that kind of prevent him from, from being higher up in the lineup, this kind of offensive explosion. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily real, real, but yep. I do think that there is the potential in there to, to be a really good third line player with that potential to kind of the, if everything were to work out the, the sort of the ideal third line player where the guy has top six skill, I think, but, um, but, don't worry about that. He's not going to, you know, you can't count on him to produce. That's fine. But he's the kind of guy that can like take over uh, a playoff game or something like that from a, uh, with, with better matchups on a lower line. I think that's his like ultimate ceiling to, to me. Um, and anyway, yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. It's, I don't I agree. I don't think this is going to be the, the takeoff game. Um, yeah. I and if it is, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I, I hope just, I'm wrong. He, yeah, so he just hasn't shown that kind of consistency, even when he has had good games. That he follows it up with another one and another one. It's always been right. like, oh, there's one game, and then you wait three weeks until you remember the Sedin is on the in the lineup, and uh, yeah. So, but I, I did. I I really enjoyed his confidence as well. After he sure. did start to put in some points, he was like just way more confident with the puck um, than he normally is, and he was making less mistakes. Um, at least trying to make plays because he you're right he does have some costly turnovers in him from prior games so yeah yeah uh, i do i i don't know we'll see it was still an interesting pickup like obviously he came over for with confidence in himself to to prove it this year and it's i wouldn't say that he 
has technically he's just no kind of i don't i don't believe so. yeah yeah but so, uh but we'll hopefully see. it does start a stretch where the sharks see him and he's young enough and i yeah. think he's good in the room and all that kind of stuff that you're like hey sign him for a couple more years this guy maybe this guy can be a part of the next good sharks team and so that would be yeah. great if, if that were to happen and that maybe can happen in the next um uh, 30 games or so yeah that's definitely an opportunity for him um mm-hmm. He's an RFA to be so. Yep. Um, the um, I mean, Justin Bailey had a good game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he that whole um, resurgence from him as well was was good to see. My um, my was, favorite, Luke Cunning. <laughs> Luke Cunning had a good game. It was, he can it was, shoot. He can shoot, right? I mean, there's no question about that. So um, even yeah, no, he can. Uh, he, can. he hits a lot of posts when he gets when he gets a hold of it. He he can. He can launch yes. it. I mean, I think that's oh, why. 100%. That's why. That's why there's been a hope that, like, uh, we even when a shark traded for him, and he hasn't fulfilled it. I'm not trying to argue that, but like, when a shark traded for him, that he could maybe, you know, get himself up to a 15, 20 goal. That's the kind of yep. rate he scored at in a couple of good years there he had in in Minnesota there, and so, um, so yeah, like then that's why we need a uh, we need fired. a post yeah. we need a post by Luke Cunning tally this season. I don't know what it is, but he just hits so many posts. Oh, we can like. we can look that look that up on NHL. Though gotta, I do feel like NHL is not very accurate with the with the post count though. But uh, actually though, I'm just curious though since 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 you bring up because uh, I feel uh, like he's hit posts yeah. constantly. He even hit a post in this game and he had two goals. I think he did. <laughs> yeah, it looked like so. one of those like ah uh, here we go again even the the first goal didn't, yeah. didn't even look like it scored <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's what i was expecting and yeah, yeah. they had to go to reveal to review to make sure that wait luke luke Cunningham scored wait what <laughs> yeah but he does he has a very powerful shot when he can he get does. it into the right spot yeah yeah um i mean i know i know people have not like fans uh the Eklund Cunningham uh pairing hasn't been popular but sure. if you if you want to look at the basically like pairing a, a guy that has a good shot with the guy who can set him up, just like uh just like Eklund did, especially on that post shot, actually, mm-hmm. because that's Eklund drawing the defender to himself along the wall and then lays a perfect pass to Cunning getting the position uh if for, for that for that for that for that one timer for that blast, right? And yep. I think that's what the sharks envision. So I, I I would say, even though yes, obviously Cunning you know, hasn't scored a lot this year, and that that kind of duel hasn't hasn't panned out the way the Sharks hoped. That that there's a, there was intelligence to it though, and I think we saw it on the on that on that post by Cunning. Yeah, just gotta hit the net. Gotta hit the <laughs> net. Yeah, you gotta hit the net though, for sure, for sure. Yeah. But um, well, you looked that up. Um, yes, I'm getting it. <laughs> yes i mean i actually don't know if i've ever looked up that stat on on nhl.com or where I, I have i have but like i said yeah. i don't i don't find it to be uh accurate because game to game like um uh, there was that one game recently where oh toronto right it was in toronto mm-hmm. i think where I, i'm pretty sure it counted like seven posts or something like that and mm-hmm. like on nhl it was like five or something like that and so yeah so that's that's that that that's one of those that I'm not so so sure, <laughs> sure about 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 how 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 dot com is tracking tracking it. So let's talk a, a little bit about Kevin LeBanc. Um, okay, yes, I think we're um, or we've come to an interesting 
the writing has been on the wall. Um, and yep. that's actually part of your headline of your article. Uh, LeBanc sees the writing on the wall for um, Shark's career. Though It's been on the wall for a year or two, but now it's really on the wall. No, like, but we, especially we this year though, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. because with every every coach, you're like hoping like, okay, this mm-hmm. is... The, this is the coach that could kind of unlock a consistent game from uh, from LeBanc. Uh, but this year, though, yes, uh, especially recently, Granlin goes down, Hurdle yep. goes down, Couture. I know these are all centermen, but uh, LeBanc yeah. still can't get in the lineup. <laughs> nope, and they play McDonald on the wing instead of LeBanc. And, right, and like right. Anybody but LeBanc. And I, I do wonder why he has not been waived yet other than, I don't know. I honestly don't have an answer to that question. Um, there was that rumor that he might be waived that was not real earlier this year, and then never it happened. Might have, it might have been though, yeah. So <laughs> we don't know. Yeah, that was. But that was whole thing. Um, well, yeah, with, with terms of writing on the wall with LeBanc, though, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I think he knew. I, I mean, and that's something that I, I actually wrote a story uh, mm-hmm. a, a month ago. Uh, actually, uh, Kobe guy uh, who helped me a lot and was like, he wrote the story, but I, I interviewed Kevin uh, sure. all the way back in Toronto when the Sharks were there. And interestingly, and I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't want to put too much focus on it because I don't want to be a guy to take a quote out of context. The guy just said something mistakenly, right? But if you look at the end of of of, uh, of Kobe's story about LeBanc, the what what Kevin told me, uh, this was this was a this was a good month and a half ago that Kevin says. I don't know where things will take me, but it's been a lot of fun being in San Jose. And I heard that. I was like, wait, you just refer to San Jose as past tense? Yeah, <laughs> not, yeah, yeah. We're like not even halfway into the season yet. <laughs> but I think that I think that he he knew quite well. And um, we'll have to dig in at a later time just why it's been so difficult for him, especially on the awful Sharks team. Uh, it's not as if David Quinn is 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 running a uh, a Western Conference leading team here, and there's no space for Kevin LeBanc. You would kind of understand that, but this is the second worst team in the league. Has been the worst team in the league for most of the season, and that Kevin can't get in is 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 surprising. And I want to speak up for Kevin a little bit too that. Um, Last year, he still showed that he could be quite productive. He had a really good sure. stretch with uh, Timo Meyer and Tomas Trudeau. Uh, he had 23 points, I think, in 29 games with those guys. And yeah, he's not going to be your number one player on the line for sure, but he was doing a really good job being a complimentary winger to two kind of top uh, top line or top six guys there. And I think Kevin can do that for a team. Um, but Anyway, though, uh, in terms of just uh, Kevin's comments, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess I'm not sure what good will do because the Sharks haven't played him. When the Sharks have played him, he hasn't produced. He makes yep. way too much money. He makes more cash than his AAV, which is another issue, too. It's a big problem. And, yeah. yeah, so just Sharks only have one retention spot. Um, but one of the things that was interesting, and I spoke with um, with uh, Kevin's uh, agent, uh, Michael Curran, he confirmed uh, Frank Saravalli's uh, report that Vancouver was interested in Kevin LeBanc over the summer. Uh, Frank had reported uh, possible Kevin LeBanc for Tyler Myers swap. I don't know if other elements were part of it, but you know, both on uh, one year left, not great contracts, right? And um, while uh, uh, Michael Curran he couldn't confirm that Tyler Myers was part of the deal, he did confirm though that it was indeed Vancouver like, or, in, or that Vancouver was interested. And of course, 
that's a last summer thing. Vancouver has moved on. They picked up Nikita Zadorov and uh, uh, Leish uh, uh, Lindholm, and Elias Lindholm, and just expensive players, basically, right? And they're up against the cap, so I don't think uh, yeah. LeBanc going there right now makes any sense. But it shows that there is some interest in in a LeBanc and his playmaking ability and 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 whatnot. And so um, I can see something happening in the summer for him. Um, uh, I know that a lot, like, you know, the, the some people are saying, oh, he's not even going to get like a PTO or whatever, right? I, I think he can get that maybe even a little more. He's not going to get a great contract for sure. Um, yeah. But And it wouldn't surprise me too if he comes back. And I mentioned it in the article that I wrote uh, recently about, about Kevin LeBanc um, that, and I mentioned this on his podcast multiple times actually, that I could see kind of a, a, a Stefan Nason kind of um, – uh, Stephen Nason is a really interesting case. And ironically, after leaving the Sharks too, but after leaving the Sharks, um, Carolina picked him up. I think they signed him to a two-way contract. He had a great year with the Chicago Wolves. And then Carolina brought him uh, to the to the NHL. And uh, since he's been, in, since the last two years in Carolina, Stephen Nason is averaging half a point uh, per game. I think he has like 63 points over like 120 games. Most importantly, he's doing it playing like 12 minutes a night. He's basically playing yeah. four to five minutes, but <laughs> he has a regular power play role. And yeah. so, and so, yeah, so I think that's, that could be, that could be sort of, um, sort of, uh, uh, where Kevin LeBanc could, could end up, uh, not, I'm not saying Carolina, but a team can use them in, in that way. Like if you can hide them, uh, on a fourth line, if you don't need a fourth line to be this grind grind line, like a lot of fourth lines are, and you can already can play, play, play with players that can hide them a little bit. And or he can put him. I think Nason they actually do use with better players, but they just they don't they don't they don't play him a, a lot though. So probably offensive zone. I gotta look into how they how they use Nason more at even strength. But uh, but yeah, if if you're selective with how you use uh, Kevin LeBanc, basically is what I'm saying. I think he he can probably be an effective initial player still. Um, he's young enough for sure. He's what 28. So yeah, he just really needs to be. And I said this couple weeks ago months ago he just needs to be somewhere else he just needs he to, be needs to. yeah yeah he can't be lingering in the sharks anymore but you know i don't think there's a way to get him out of there before the end of the season i, I just don't see a team taking the chance on tough. his contract yeah, yeah i mean the contract is, is obviously the, the biggest part of it um i know some yeah. people are like oh well, they can agree to terminate contracts why would kevin lebank walk away from, from I mean, it's, whatever it's like eight hundred thousand dollars or whatever for yeah. like literally like and uh, yeah, I, I no wouldn't work. expect I wouldn't expect uh, anyone to do yeah. to do that. Like 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 Philip Zadina, but Zadina I think is a really rare case. Um, sure. I mean, obviously he's a rare case, yeah, because there's not been a lot of guys to do that. Um, and it's less money and, and all that. And, well, like, Zadina walked away from a lot, but but one point uh, eight to like one point one, so it was no, but Zadina walked but Zadina walked away from four point five six of of cash. Uh, over a, a couple of years yeah yeah it's four, I've, I've written so many stories about it so even yeah. though the cap it was 1.8 or whatever the av the cash sure. was actually 4.56 that's million. a good amount of money i didn't realize that's that. a lot of money and so um so so lebank would be walking away from less but True. i think uh I, I mean i don't expect kevin to do that um but i think the more likely course is that is that lebank does get waived no one picks him up and he should go down to the barracuda and really just kill it there and yep. If he goes down with a good attitude and plays hard and is a good leader down there, that's going to help his uh, his assignability in the offseason. Teams will see that that hey, he True. he went down there, he he didn't pout, 
Um, he, he did a good, good job working with the younger players. So if we sign him and he doesn't work out on the angel club, then he has some, some value that he's just, he's a, he's, he's a good team, team player, which I think Kevin has shown before. I know that, uh, uh, we all believe we don't, I don't, we don't know this for sure, but we all believe that a couple you know, a few years ago after his breakout season, that one year, $1 million contract he signed, he did that for the sharks. And yep. he did that to help them stay stay competitive. And I also helped them, of course, that helped him get his big contract, which was obviously an overpayment. But on the hand, though, Kevin LeBanc for a year, he risked he risked his body. He didn't know what was going to happen out there in in, in that year. Um, he was yeah. making just one million dollars off of a fifty six point season. Um, and so that's you know that's putting putting your money where where your mouth is. And so and so I do think Kevin wants to win. I do think that he's a team player. Uh, just really hasn't worked with the Sharks. You know, I, I'm not really sure what the disconnect was. Um, but yeah, like, um, honestly, yeah, when we asked David Quinn about, about him, I, I, a lot of times I feel like David doesn't want to answer questions about him. I think he, he clenches up a little bit, <laughs> if I'm being honest about that, my perception of it. And so, um, yeah, and then there was the recent exchange where uh, LeBanc said, I know what I'm capable of doing when I get out there. This is just a week ago. And so I know when I get an opportunity, I can go out there and execute. And Quinn uh, responded, maybe not directly to what LeBanc said, but LeBanc said, we watch every practice. And it's funny, people talk about needing opportunity. Well, every day is an opportunity. I'm not out there making my grocery list while practice is going on. I've been paying attention to what guys are doing, how hard they're working. Sure. And so this is a clear this I, I think I'd say to say that this is there's a disconnect here between coach and player. And so LeBanc needs needs a, a change of uh, a change of scenery for sure. And I think he'll get it. And like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if he flourishes, if he's like a very good value contract. I'm going to predict that he gets signed by Tampa and he gets like a eight hundred thousand dollar contract by Tampa or something like that. That's my yeah. prediction. Sticking with it. I don't know. Why how do you, how do you think he than, does? How do you think he, think does, he does in Tampa? I think he does well. I think he, okay. you know, better than he obviously this year. I think he <laughs> probably in the 20, 25 point range is what I'd put him at. Something like that. Oh. And he's like I, uh, decently productive in, in a very limited minutes role. I'm going to go, I'm going to go maybe 30 ish and nice. with very limited playing time. And so his, uh, his, his rate stats will be really nice. And, He's gonna have a regular power play role, and yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see team? it. Do you got a team? No, I, I don't, and I need to think okay. about like if I really like. I think it's a possibility. I don't know if I would like bet my life on it or anything like that. Yeah, um, but I, I do think it's a distinct possibility because, I mean, I, I know everyone wants to focus on 2018-19 and the 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 game seven against Vegas. Oh, that's the last thing Kevin LeBanc was good, but I don't think that's true though. Uh, mm -hmm. Kevin LeBanc had really good stretches. I think it was uh, when he was with uh, maybe Couture and Evander Kane a couple mm -hmm. years ago. He obviously was had a very good stretch with, I've mentioned many times, with Meyer and Hurdle. So he's had good stretches. He hasn't been able to put together a full good season. Uh, every time he's had these good stretches, um, he's sort of fallen into uh, the doghouse of the coach, be it Bob Bugner or David Quinn, right, last sure. year. And so, and so he hasn't been consistent, but... There are good stretches there for sure um, of a guy that is absolutely a middle six NHL winger. 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, again, if you just look at, even just even look at the pure stats, I mean, 2017 to 2023. So we're just, it's not just his 2018-19 uh, season. 2017 to 2023, average half a point a game. Yeah. And so is Kevin, Le, so is, so can Kevin LeBanc score at that, that rate? Uh, and he's just 28 still. Can he still do that? I, for sure. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, but did teams do this? Right? I think they end up signing a guy that's uh, like Jonathan Druin in uh, Colorado, mm -hmm. where it's yeah. like they just need a, a, a cheap, a cheap con, a cheap winger that's going to provide you offense with to, upside. To pair with upside to pair yeah. with your superstar guys that are that are obviously out there in all situations. So you're just yeah. kind of trying to maximize dollars with a guy that can actually put points right. on the board. So right. Maybe that's Kevin LeBanc. Um, I think that's why, yeah, Tampa is actually really interesting just because they're constantly they a team that is kind of capped out and looking for guys who can outperform their contracts, right? Barkley, Gaudreau, Brandon Hagel before they gave him a big mm -hmm. contract, so guys like that, yeah. So. Yeah, they're always trying to go for that buy-low opportunity to to get their window extended, essentially. And there isn't mm -hmm. any buy-low lower than Kevin LeBanc right now. You can so. get him for literally nothing. You can... <laughs> You can yep, just give him a call in the off season. So all the best for, for Kevin when, when it does come to an end for the sharks, uh, but yeah, but you also, if you go down to Barracuda and actually like gets them to win a few more games, that'd be sick. Um, yeah. Maybe help with actual play. I actually was thinking about this. We were having the big conversation about a Barracuda a couple weeks ago with the sharks getting healthier. And obviously it's been uh sort of, uh, um, uh, the, the, I, this idea has sort of been, uh, uh, tamped down by, Hurdle and Couture going down. But I was mm -hmm. thinking, though, when we thought Hurdle and Couture were coming back and they were going to have all their centers right, that the Barracuda were going to have a lot of players possibly coming their way. Um, and even 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 with Hurdle and Couture out, they actually, the Sharks are, uh, when, they get, when they activate Smith and Thrun, they have one extra guy that they got to send down. And so, or, yeah, they have 24 healthy bodies if, if Smith and Thrun are healthy. And mm -hmm. so that could be a LeBanc. Um, that could be a defenseman. Um, well, I don't think it was going to be initially I had projected Carpenter, uh, but it's not going to be Carpenter because obviously they're short centermen now, but yeah. so they, they're going to have, I mean, they won't have a full team coming, a full line coming back, which kind of looked like they might for, for a hot second there when, uh, when we got Hurdle and Couture coming back, like if the, if the Barracuda get Carpenter and LeBanc, uh, within a week, that's, 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 that, that could be a first line, AHL first line. And of course, shades of, uh, 2017 and uh, 2016 and old school Worcester and the first year of the Barracuda. Uh, yeah. but, uh, um, but yeah, uh, that's, that's what I was kind of thinking, but yeah, like the Barracuda are due to get some, some talent though soon from the Sharks. If the Sharks can cross your fingers, stay healthy. All right. We don't have too much else to say. Do you have anything else for this week? I think um, I think we've all said a lot nope. in this short period of time. Yeah, it's been a uh, quick week. There's only been two games. Obviously, the Sharks returned from break on, on Wednesday. So um, next week, we'll have a, a full full week of games to talk about and I'm sure lots of new new news. Maybe a trade uh, or something. Yeah, trade deadline just uh, yeah three weeks away. Yep. Um, but yes, everybody enjoy the Mike Santos interview. It was it was awesome. Uh, and also, we might hear from him after the trade deadline, see if any of those things that we talked about uh, came to fruition. But yeah, we'll see. All right. Hope you guys have a good week. Bye. 
From 1997 to 2018, Michael Santos was in the NHL or AHL front office. He's been an assistant GM with the NHL's New York Islanders and Florida Panthers. He was a general manager of the AHL's Rochester Americans and San Antonio Rampage. He was president of the ECHL's Norfolk Admirals, also director of hockey operations for the Islanders, Panthers, and National Predators. He's now heading, he's now heading Team 33 once again. Remind everybody, because they're in the news now, that's not the 33rd NHL team. Team 33 is an independent scouting service that goes to NHL games. You'll see them on the scouting list uh, that you're seeing that a lot of writers are posting now. Uh, they're an independent scouting service that consults for NHL teams staffed entirely by ex-NHL front office personnel. And he's now here with the San Jose Hockey Now podcast to lend his front office insight and expertise on everything trade deadline for the Sharks. Hey, guys. Hey, Mike. Thanks How's for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I um, one, one note before we get started here, um, regardless of whether or not the NHL adds another team, we're not changing our name. So we're, <laughs> we I was going to ask you that, yeah. So whether it's Salt Lake City or whoever comes into the league next, they're going to have to be Team 34. So let's just <laughs> keep it that way. That's fair. Well, it's a good name. Uh, Mike, yeah, it is a terrific, terrific name. It always gets people's attention around, especially around this season where, mm -hmm. again, all those scouting yeah. lists uh, are, are, are being posted. Uh, so I wanted to ask you first, specifically, just to let everybody know again. And again, we told people before, you've been on the podcast before. We told, we're talking to Eric Carlson trade over the summer with you. But what is Team 33? Yeah, well, and the Eric Carlson deal went through, didn't it? Yes, it did. It's <laughs> dead. So you guys finally. You guys are right on it. Um, <laughs> Team 33 is a hockey operations management program. I mean, as you said, it's it's staffed entirely by former NHL GMs, coaches, players, and scouts. And uh, we operate as if we're an NHL organization, uh, just we do not have a roster of players. And the advantage is that allows us to be unbiased in our evaluation of everything that has to do with NHL teams and their players and prospects, whether that be evaluating their contracts, uh, their injury situation, maybe off ice issues, and of course their performance on the ice. Um, so um, it's a huge advantage for the NHL clubs that use us because we all know that uh, you know when we're close to an organization, we tend to have bias, whether that's uh, positive or negative. And so the fact that they can use an organization like ours and, and get an unbiased opinion is really helpful. Um, and we can do anything that, uh, that a front office can do. Uh, we can help with uh, trades. Of course, that's what we'll talk about this evening with the trade deadline coming up. Um, we can, uh, we can fill, you know, find the right player that will fill a need for an organization, whether that be at the NHL level, the American Hockey League level, or a prospect. Um, we can evaluate uh, different situations. So uh, if the transaction may be uh, sending a player to the minor leagues and recalling another player, we can evaluate that transaction in advance, let them let the organization know what that will do uh, to their payroll, how it will affect their on-ice uh, player personnel, um, what type of player they're going to be putting into the lineup, what type of player they're going to be taking out, um, how it will affect their salary cap. Um, all of this we can do for them, and, and we can help them negotiate a contract as well. 
So um, we can do anything, uh, anything they need us to do. And again, with an unbiased eye. And uh, also I uh, wanted to, to ask you too, uh, you had mentioned uh, some teams that you had consulted with recently. Uh, do you want to share that just so everybody can kind of uh, be in on just uh, how, how deep Team 33 is into, into, into everything? Yeah, well, we've, I mean, uh, we've, had, uh, we've had two clubs that have been working with us for a year and a half now, uh, the Anaheim Ducks and the Montreal Canadiens. And, um, and uh, as of late, of course, now with the trade deadline coming up, we're getting lots of one-off calls from different organizations looking for little pieces of information here and there, some help here and there. Um, you know, we, we just spoke to Colorado the other day. Um, we spoke to uh, Calgary about a week ago. Um, you know, we're we're uh, I talked to Minnesota last month. Um, so we're uh, you know we're constantly uh, getting our tires kicked by some of these clubs that I think are are starting to realize what we can do for them and how we can help them. So uh, hopefully uh, we can do the same for the Sharks. Yeah, the San Jose Sharks should consider this a, a free uh, demo uh, for <laughs> for them. So uh, hopefully, uh, yeah. So hopefully, Mike and company are, are listening to this one, and they give the the, the proper uh, the proper credit if they uh, use anything uh, from you. Uh, but yeah. so Sharks obviously have a ton of guys available. Their record's not very good. They have a loss of a lot of pending UFAs, and so they have a lot of guys who are available at this trade deadline and so the way we're kind of going to kind of do this guys is we're just going to run over some of the names that we have uh, over a half dozen names here and we're going to ask uh, mike about each player kind of how his team of scouts i think i believe there's 21 or so scouts that you have in different angels or i'm sorry uh, who go yep. who go to games in different angel cities and so how team the team 33 scouts are seeing the player this year and also to talk about what the player's trade value is uh, in uh, cool. in your in your opinion, and so the first one I want to ask you about is Anthony Duclair. And Anthony Duclair, he's got uh, he's uh, pending UFA three million AAV. And so, what are your scouts seeing about Anthony this year? So, I mean, the first thing I want to say before then we'll get right into Anthony is that the Sharks are in a, in a, actually a good position because, as you know. Uh, when this time of year comes all the time, you're you're trying to decide: are you a, a seller or a buyer, right? And yeah. um, and uh, those teams that are sort of in the middle, they they've got tough decisions to make, right? Do we go and try to make a playoff spot? Um, do we, you know, do we try to uh, be patient and stick with maybe a, a building or rebuilding program that we have going on? And of course, you know, you've got the teams that are up at the top of the standings who are like, well, you know, we've got a shot to make, make the, uh, you know, make the run at the cup this year. And, um, you know, do we go after some pieces that we need to put us over the top, maybe give us some depth. And unfortunately at this time of year, overpay. Yeah, um, for sure. So, you know, the sharks, they're obviously in a rebuilding situation. Um, and so, you know, they are, like you said, uh, in a in, in position where they can sell some things and continue to try to develop younger players and, and uh, hopefully build towards a plan they have for the future. Um, Declare a guy that they got, you know, that played in Florida last year, had an injury. Um, he's certainly a guy that um, they could help, you know, as a depth player for a team. Um, we, you know, we look at, uh, at him in a couple of ways. Um, obviously he's, um, 
he's a role player at this point in his career, but he still he still brings offense. Um, despite the injury that he had, uh, you know, he still skates well. Uh, mm, hockey, that's his that's his trademark, right? Yeah, and uh, and his hockey sense is is high. The the Claire again, it, I mean his his offensive ability is something that you can add, especially if you're you're a club that's trying to look and, and add him to a lower line. Mm-hmm. Um, the cap hit for one of these top teams that's looking to add depth might be a little bit, you know, might be a little bit of a deterrent. I mean, at this point in the year, I mean, and you're going to have to you probably if you're the Sharks. You know, in this type of situation, you're going to have to take something back that's not a draft pick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not so sure that, you know, they're willing to make that type of deal. Yeah. Um, as, far well, as, I, as, yeah. as far as his value, I mean, we we have him as a value of 165, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, which is a role player, um, which means he could play anywhere from a second to a fourth line role, depending on the yeah. team. He's probably best in a, in a third of – you know, in a third line role and, um, you know, draft pick wise, you know, I think you could get, uh, you know, given the teams are, are overpaying at the deadline, you probably could get a, a third round pick, maybe okay. two third round picks or even a second round pick for, for a player. You think like a second you. round pick for, for a Duclair? That's sort of a I, premium pick for a guy that has struggled this year. Yeah. I think that, um, I think again, it, it you you're looking at teams that are overpaying mm-hmm. at this at this time. I mean, the team that's going to add him is going to add him is going to be a team that thinks they can win mm-hmm. this year, and and are going to add him, you know, as that depth player, hoping that you know when he plays with some better players, that he can you know he can add some maybe some timely scoring, you know, down the stretch and of course into the playoffs. But um, but he's but he's probably a, a couple of most likely he's probably like a third or a fourth round pick, or maybe even a third and a fourth round pick mm-hmm. type of player. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see him as a kind of a guy too, that um, unlike the other guys that we're going to talk about, uh, at least other wingers we're going to talk about that. One thing that is on his side, even though he's had a poor season by his standards is that he was part of a very good Panthers team last year that made it to the final. He was an important player on that finals team too. And so teams definitely value, right? Uh, The kind of guy that's done it before that uh, teams might kind of overlook uh, Anthony's relatively poor season because they think, well, if we surround him with better players, a better situation uh, that his play will rise with that. Yeah. And again, he, you know, remember he came out, he came off a pretty serious injury. Sure. And worked his and worked his tail off to get back in the lineup at the end of the year last year for the playoffs. Um, yep. So, I you know I think a change of scenery. I mean, not a not anything against the Sharks, but they're obviously a, you know a, a building team, and um, you know that's got to affect him a little bit and his game a little bit as well. So, mm-hmm. again, I question- think. I would ask about a, a Duclair is is about his skating, uh, and you mentioned that it's still very uh, uh, very good. Uh, how does it just in general? Um, just how does it stack up to like what it used to be, or is it as good as it used to be? And in, in that case, then I'm sure then that that teams will come a knocking. So I don't know what you think about that well, specific element. We have this. We have the skating pretty close to what it was before. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we rated skating a one eighteen out of out of one fifty. 
mm-hmm. which is which is a good score. Yeah. It's a good skater. It's not one of the top skaters in the league, but he but he's a good skater. And we also we also still have him as uh, uh, trending up. His game is mm. trending upward. So despite the injury, he's still he's still you know got a chance to get better. But again, when I say that, he's he's a role player. He's not going to turn into a, you know, a, a top three forward. That's just not his game. Okay. I do wonder about the the cap circumstances. If the Sharks have to find either like a third party to take half the cap hit or retain some themselves, they don't have a lot of uh, retention slots available. They've only got one more left, basically. Right. So. And that's I think what we said before, Keegan, is that is that you know to try to uh, to try to make a deal with him is is going to be difficult because of that three million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, anybody anybody that probably is going to add a Duclair is somebody that thinks that you know they need to add a piece for depth, and they're probably going to be up close to the cap, and and not interested in taking on three million. Yeah, so right. you got to find right. a way to uh, get that cap back. Something something back, and and as you say. I don't think the the sharks are going to be willing to take some of his money. Right, right, right. Maybe uh, like a third and a fourth, and then take on somebody's contract for like maybe the end of this year, just so the money, just you know, same money in, money out, and then save that mm-hmm. retention spot for somebody else, maybe. So yeah, yeah. And, and they may not have to take they may not have to take three million back. Sure. Um, but yeah. just uh, you know, there's creative ways to do it. Hmm. Uh, next guy, uh, let's talk about uh, Alexander Barabanov. Uh, he's about to be a UFA too. He uh, uh, has a 2.5 million AAV, and he has actually a 10-team no-trade clause. And the thing about Alex is that uh, this year has been, I think, really tough uh, for him. Unlike uh, Duclair, where I think we've seen more of the flashes of of sort of prime Duclair, um, Barabanov, I think, has had a very, very tough season. At least that's that's my view of it. So, uh, what are you guys seeing? Yeah, he's um, you know his he, he's his value is actually a little bit higher than Duclair on our program. Mm-hmm. Um, he's valued at a one eighty three. He's still a role player, um, but I think he's going to be difficult to trade um, because I think. Duclair at least has the potential to be better offensively right now. And teams that are going to add a player, you know, to go for it right now, whether it's to make a playoff spot or, um, or to uh, make a run at a cup. I don't think this guy really is going to fit into their plans. So if he's going to be part of a deal, it's probably going to have to be part of a bigger deal. Hmm. You know, yeah, I, I I wonder with with Alex too because I don't I don't have the same confidence I have with Duclair that a better situation will bring out a better player because we've seen that obviously with yeah. Duclair that a better situation does bring out a better player whereas Barabanov has always been on bad Sharks team so we really kind of don't don't know what he's going to be like on uh, on a better team but I wanted to ask you too in terms of your rating uh, so Barabanov higher than Duclair uh, where where does that come from is that just like like based on last season, which makes sense because Alex had a pretty good season last year, whereas Duclair was coming off an injury. Or is that kind of like real time, like as real time, like like your scouts are still liking elements of his game, just for some reason that, so the rating is higher than Duclair's, but just for some reason, you don't think he has a lot of trade value. Yeah, well, 
I mean, his rating his rating is higher, but when we rate players, we are rating them on all sorts of different things from their oh, skating, okay. hockey sure. sense, right. offensive like ability, skills. Okay. Right. So, for instance, his skating is is not as good as uh, Duclair, but his hockey sense is a little bit better. Sure. Um, but yeah. the, but he really, uh, as you said, he really right now is uh, is not getting it done uh enough offensively for sure uh, he's just an average defensive player um he's a little bit better you know as far as his competitiveness um he can contribute on the power play because he because he is a smart guy and can make some plays but doesn't offer you much on the pk hmm. um and his physicality is is way down yeah and and that's you know that's going to pick up in the playoffs as we know. Sure, your, sure, sure. Your um, the system also I guess include like contract status, maybe just half million dollars cheaper as well, maybe. So. Yeah, I mean it's a half million dollar cheaper, but let's remember we're, we're we're prorating that over you know the last quarter of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that half a million dollars cheaper is maybe a million a hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. On your cap. I don't think that I don't think that would be a big uh, a big deterrent or a big plus that the fact that he's less than Duclair. I think it's that again when you look at his overall body of work, um, yep. you know he could still snap out of it, but he's done nothing probably because as you said, Shang, he's been in the the Sharks organization the last few years. He's done nothing to show us that he's going to be probably anything more than he is. Duclair's been in another organization, one that was successful. And right. uh, and so I think teams see a little bit more upside with it, adding a guy like him. Yeah, uh, so Keegan, seems... do you want to propose your Barabana trade from a couple weeks ago to, to Mike here and see what he thinks? I can't, I can't even remember what it was. It was uh, okay, uh, I think I remember it. Uh, it do you was, want to go ahead? <laughs> Barabanov, it was to Boston. Boston. For like a fifth round pick and uh, Jason. And maybe Ch- maybe okay. a fifth and a sixth. And yeah, uh, Jason like Magna just just Jason to switch up contract. That's yeah, just, right. just just pick up Angel contract. Does that sound like Barabanov's value roughly? Like he's well, not going to get a declared value. I can plug that right in right now. We'll tell oh, you. oh, nice. Okay, we have a real time trade machine. I think yeah. it was. I think it was a fifth round pick, or maybe a sixth. I thought it was Jason. a fifth and a sixth. I thought I thought you were you, oh, you were go. impressive with your Barabanov to Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and the other thing I. I I failed to mention uh, for both of those players is uh, teams, for instance, Boston, uh, one team that I know, uh, they're looking at centers. Mm, yeah, and, 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 you know, a lot of what the Sharks are trying to move here are wingers. Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, these teams are looking for centers at this time of year because that's really well, where you need some depth in the playoffs. Everyone keep listening. We have some centers coming, so we're just going to the weakers yeah. first. But uh, yeah. anyway, what's the trade machine say about uh, Alex to the to the Bruins? Well, Barabon off to Boston for who now? Uh, Jason Magna, um, okay. just to switch up con- the NHL contracts and a maybe a fifth round pick and a sixth round pick. And we'll throw in a we'll we'll just throw a fifth and a sixth this year. Yeah, sure, Probably or true. whatever year, but <laughs> so. Um, that's an interesting deal. Uh, our our uh, tail of the tape is that San Jose would give up 70, 77 team, what we call team 33 points. Mm-hmm. It's not a terrible amount. Um, 
the Sharks get an energy forward and a penalty killer. They lose some goal scoring and depth scoring, uh, right. but they've reduced their cap by uh, 1.725. Right. And what are <laughs> sure. the picks worth in this equation? The picks are worth uh, in this equation. It's Boston, who's obviously picking very low, at least as of right now. Sure, uh, sure. So the uh, the picks are worth uh, the fifth round pick is worth 15 points, and okay. the sixth round point is pick is only worth four points. Okay, interesting. All right, All right. so yeah, they, I mean, by I guess just the numbers, it, but I, I feel like there's a there's a hidden I think, value. I think, I think the Sharks could get um could actually get a little bit more, like a fourth maybe at very best, even though he's struggling though the way he is. Um, yeah, well, let's throw that. Let's take the, uh, the fifth and the sixth out. Yeah. Let's add a, let's add a fourth round pick. And, uh, yeah, that makes the deal a little bit better for the Sharks for sure. Uh, they, they still give up, uh, 56 points. But again, uh, I, I, I don't know what the Sharks think of Barabanov, but it doesn't look like he's, He's a guy in the future for them. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Well, speaking of another guy that may not be part of their future, uh, Mike Hoffman, uh, also a going to be a, a UFA, and his AAV is quite a lot, unlike Barabanov's yeah. 4.5 million AAV. So that makes it much, much harder to move. And so, anyway, what have you guys seen for, uh, of, of Mike or about Mike this so, year? Uh, pull Hoffman up here. Um but yeah, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a tough tough one to move. Um, For sure. I mean, he's had some good seasons in the past. Right. No, some excellent seasons. No, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Um, but right now, he's. Uh, here. I'm stuck. Here we go. All right, Hoffman. So Hoffman again, he, he's another one of the guys. I mean, most of the guys that you've got here on uh, a Sharks uh, trade bait, we'll call them, are in sort of that that same role pay, player uh, range. So Hoffman scores a one seventy four. Um, again, that cap hit is uh, is not good for moving him, um, yeah. and. Uh, the other thing with Hoffman is, and he's really the only player I think on the list that you that you provided to us. Uh, he's the only player that's trending downward mm -hmm. as his play and, and as a player. Sure, from where he was before, for sure. Yeah, no, we can. Yeah, yeah definitely. And so um, yeah. his skating is uh, his skating is below. You know, both Barabanov and of course Duclair. You know, we score skating a one hundred four out of one hundred fifty. Mm -hmm. which is a little bit better than average. Um, his hockey sense is in the same range, you know, a little better than average. Um, his offensive ability, again, sort of in that same range. He's a 68 out of 100. Um, and, uh, you know, where he really can contribute um, is on the power play. Right. But he hasn't um, been this year really, though. Right. And uh, and he should be able to contribute in the shootout. But of course, teams aren't looking for shootout guys 
the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, a guy that's low physicality. Um, you know, Definitely. he's a, he's a smart winger. He can shoot the puck. He can pass the puck pretty well. Um, plays on the perimeter. Again, not a very physical guy. I don't know how how enticing that's going to be for you know for the playoffs. And um, you know, probably at this point, he's a third, fourth line guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially for a team that's you know going into the playoffs, and at that cap hit, I think he's going to be tough to move. Yeah, yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah, I don't know even know if we need to talk about his his uh, trade value because I'm not sure if it's so high. So, <laughs> so <laughs> let's move on to uh, Kevin LeBanc. It's actually same kind of discussion, maybe like Hoffman, uh, also going to be a UFA, also with a very high cap hit, four point seven two five million. Also a very difficult season for, well, like all these wingers for Kevin LeBanc. So not asking in, in this case about the trade value. We're going to talk about some more exciting guys on the Sharks that might have a little more trade value. But in terms of Kevin, just what have you guys seen about his uh, from his game this year? And I guess that's what I, what I think uh, I'm more curious well, about. He, our scouts still have some liking for him mm. for a few reasons. And, and, and for that reason, we have him as trending upward still. Mm, relatively um, young still, yeah. Yeah, and um, you know the the thing that that is not great for him is his skating. He's he's a dead average skater, um, but what he has going for him, and I think what would attract other teams to him, except for the fact that he makes a lot of money, <laughs> is he works hard. He's a hard working player, and 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 he does it both you know, offensively and defensively. Um, so that's, you know, that's a plus, especially in a playoff run. Um, you know, he's he, he also makes up for his, I don't want to call it poor skating, but average skating because he keeps his feet moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but another guy that's, that's not physical, despite how hard he works, um, he can make some players plays but like Hoffman you know his value is right on the number with Hoffman 174 the only difference is this guy seems to work a little harder and so for that reason he's trending upward a little bit but uh, probably too much money for not enough uh, back yeah you know to pick up as a as a deadline move for anybody that's looking to do something this might be not uh, this might not be a question you, you can answer but uh, you mentioned that uh, LeBanc can work hard and we've seen that at times when he's on his game uh he's on top of the puck he can actually be an effective four checker um and so then i i wonder then just why hasn't it worked uh with him and the sharks i don't know if your scouts have have mentioned anything uh, about that in in their notes just why hasn't it been a fit the sharks seems like it should be a fit um uh, Kevin has some offensive ability. The Sharks need as much help as, as they can get offensively. <laughs> so it looks like it should be a, a match here, but it just hasn't worked. I, I, I think the biggest, the big problem for him again is his physicality. Mm. He's just, he just doesn't stick his nose in there enough, especially you know, on the offensive end in, in front of the net. Uh, he's, he's not really a presence there. Um, you know, and, it, and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't seem to engage particularly when there's bigger players. I mean, he's not a, he's not a real big guy, first of sure, all. Of course. Yeah. And then, you know, if you're not a real big guy, you really need to be able to skate in this league. 
and he he just is an average skater. Mm, okay. Uh, we've talked to now about uh, four wingers here, and we talked about Anthony Duclair, uh, Alexander Barabanov, Mike Hoffman, Kevin LeBanc. And so just a, a, a tie-up question for all these wingers. Um, do you see any any good fits uh, in general out there? Uh, you mentioned Boston's looking for centers. Um, any teams that you think are looking for pretty good depth wingers, you know, maybe, a, maybe a Duclair can be a good fit. Maybe, uh, at, is there any, 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 any team that you can think of out there? I think the Rangers, for example, just lost Wheeler. So I just one one name that pops up uh, for me, but, uh, any that, that pop up for you. Yeah, I think the, I think the Rangers is definitely, I mean, if, if there's a guy on this list that I think is that we've talked about so far, that I think it would be an interesting player for anybody. It is Duclair. Yep. And uh, the Rangers are certainly a, a team that would be interested in, in somebody like him. Um, I don't think any of the any of the you know the teams that are probably not going to be in the playoffs are, are interested in giving up any prospects or even draft picks for sure. Duclair. Um, maybe Phoenix uh, or mm-hmm. Phoenix and Arizona if uh, you know if they decide they're going to make a, a run here. Mm-hmm. Um, a little desperation move but yeah okay yeah because um you know they they've they've made some noise lately about you know staying there and, and and doing the right thing for their fans and you know they are finally sniffing at something um so you know that could be a possibility but um yeah i mean off the top of my head the teams that i know that are really going for it they you know, they look for they look for depth in, in the middle. They're looking for centers. Mm, okay. You can always you can always take a center and put them on the wing. You can't always take a wing and put them in the middle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. That 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 makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Declare, well, that declares the guy out yeah. of that group of wingers for sure. 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 Um, so now uh, let's let's talk about the maybe more exciting portion for Sharks fans. Is Sharks do have a very good center. Uh, right now who might be available and he's a bit of a surprise in terms of just how he ended last season but uh, you have a Macau Granlin and Macau Granlin has two years left at a five million uh, AAV and two years including this year he's going to be a UFA at the end of it and he's come back with I I think a very strong season and so how do your guys see uh, Granlin's season this year? Um, Good he's uh, you know the the strength about him is um, he's a he's versatile, right? Mm-hmm. He's a mm-hmm. he's a two way guy. He's a two way forward. Yep. Um, the cap hit again on him is a lot. That's uh, that's a problem, and mm-hmm. you're going to have him for another year, right? At that number. Um, Although he's been okay this year and he and he's come back a little bit, I think overall, career-wise, he's probably trending downward. Sure. Um. And and it's just a it's just a ha- it's just a heavy hit for uh, a guy that's uh, trending downward, not on, not on the big side, right? Again, a guy that's not going to add physicality. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, much like LeBanc, I think I think you saw last year, especially if you're a Western Conference team, 
you're going to have to go through some pretty heavy clubs when you start thinking about guys like Vegas, Colorado, um, in Vegas in particular last year, their, their D was enormous, right? And so you're going to, you're going to need some, some bigger, heavier forwards, I think, uh, to push back. If you're going to pick up a guy like this in the playoffs. And then if you're going to keep, keep that contract for another year. Hmm. I wonder with 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 the Mikhail though that because he's a guy that I, I think plays bigger than his size, and I understand that of course there's only so much that you can do with that. But maybe if you put him with bigger wingers, that will help clear a little space for him. And like you said, he works hard. He's good two way, and he does try. He you know he does bang. He's willing to bang even <laughs> if it's not his uh, forte. Mm -hmm. And so uh, anyway, given given all that and. Yes, his AAV isn't great, but maybe if the Sharks take on a contract and considering that he is a center, I can see him being a very good third line center uh, for a team, maybe for for a Rangers. Yeah. I don't know. And you know, so anyway, I, yeah. I mean, he's a guy I think if 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 for instance Boston doesn't get what they want, they could, you know, they could they could look at a guy like Graham because they're they need so much in the middle if they're really yeah. going to make a run at it. Do you think be, if um, I was going to say it's going to be again hard to get the it's the just hard to work to, out hard to take that money. Yeah, sure. And sure. You're, and you're taking them and you're taking it for next year too, which is both good and bad, right? Like if you if he works out, then you've got him for another run mm -hmm. for next year. But if he doesn't, then you're you're stuck. Right. Just like the Penguins were when they felt like they needed to move him to the Sharks because they, they sure, took him that's on. True. And then... There is that risk, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, there you go, right? I mean, the money had to move in that deal, right? Mm -hmm. and, and five million of it. Mm, okay, <laughs> was, okay. Okay. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe my view of him is colored a little bit by the, the Sharks' just general lack of competency this year. And so he's been one of the Sharks' few competent forwards on a consistent basis and so oh, yeah. i don't know maybe maybe the league doesn't quite see him as quite as valuable also considering that uh it didn't work out in pittsburgh after the deadline also he had trouble adjusting the nashville years ago after the deadline too and so maybe yeah may, maybe that's that's a question mark for him uh one guy uh that uh, i don't know if there's any question about his physicality at least and his and his sort of his pedigree uh, only problem is probably his contract is nico sturm and Nico Sturm has one more year after this one, uh, two million AAV, which is a little rich for a guy that's probably more like a fourth line center type. But anyway, uh, what do you see as as uh, Nico's uh, uh, value, perhaps? So his value isn't you know necessarily as as high as the other players overall. Sure, but I think that this is the classic, you know depth pickup for a team that's trying to go for it um you know because he's because he's big he's physical you know he's not this he's not the smoothest skater but he's a strong face-off guy right with a reach um he gives he gives a playoff team some heavy some heavy upside you know on the on the fourth line Hmm. Um, and the fact that he can play play in the middle, he can win some faceoffs, and and you know he's he's a competitive guy. I think that uh, I think that he's a guy. Two million, you know, not not the not the greatest uh, deal, but compared to some of the other guys we've talked to, 
I think there's a way to make a deal for a guy like this. Mm, okay. What do, what do you think he, he gets? Because he is a guy that I think everybody, I would say everybody will want on their team. It just, that might be a little rich. Um, so yeah. What, what, what kind of value everybody will want on, on, on their team, but of course his ceiling is limited. And so what is that? What is that? What does that move for at the deadline? I think, I think you could probably get a, a minor league prospect and a lower pick, you know, mm -hmm. somewhere in the, you know, fourth, fifth round range for a guy like this. Okay. Okay. I really um, do. Oh, actually, uh, going back to, actually, I just forgot. We didn't ask you what, what Grandland's trade value might be. So um, let's, 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 let's say the Sharks, uh take on uh maybe some money in return so to make that cap it a little more maybe not retention but maybe they take on another contract in return and so if the money isn't as bad where, where does Grandland's value lie for you i think i think if you take on a contract you know they can they could probably get a you know a fourth round pick and a fifth round pick with them oh, but or Grand, okay yeah i but but you're gonna have to take a contract on with them mm -hmm. I don't. I. I. I think it's going to be real tough um, to get a lot for him. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't. I. You know, we've got his game trending in the wrong direction, and mm -hmm. and you add that to another year on the contract, uh, somebody that's going to pick him up. I think that I think they'd rather go for a guy like Sturm. To be honest with you, a guy mm -hmm. that can, uh, you know, a guy that can give them more size. Um, you know, that's. That's a decent face-off guy, and um, you know, even though he doesn't, you know, he doesn't skate great. You know, he probably skates close to what Granlund does. Um, maybe not quite the offensive ability, but I think I think what you're looking to pick up here in either one of those players is a guy that can just be responsible on your fourth line and help in some of the dirty areas. And Sturm's probably mm -hmm. going to do that. Okay. Um, so what do you think then last year, just uh, sticking with Granlin, I guess the final question uh, about him is Pittsburgh traded a second round pick for him last year. And so was that sort of, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Sharks fans are hoping with Granlin sort of return to form this year that, that maybe another team would, would offer something of, of that caliber for, for a Granlin. Uh, but and Pittsburgh did last year. And so what did you think of that last year when, when they did that? Um, I think Pittsburgh panicked last year, obviously. Um, and you see why, um, because they cleaned the front office out sure. mm -hmm. after the season. Um, and so I think they were, you know, they were just reaching, reaching for whatever they could get at the time. They knew the pressure was on. The Fenway Sports Group had beat, had bought the club. Um, you know, there was a there was a lot of pressure on on that front office from Ron Hextall, to Chris Pryor to uh, Brian Burke. Fair enough. And, okay. And, and, um, you know, it was a it was a new ownership group coming in. You know, mid season and or near the end of the season and. Uh, yeah, we needed to. Um, I, think catch. Were, I think they were grabbing it wherever they could to try to, you know, maybe save their jobs. Yeah, we needed to catch Columbus before Yarmo Kekalainen got got fired, basically, <laughs> to try and get a a good deal for, for or an overpayment for a guy like Granlin, I guess. Or maybe, yeah. maybe. 
So, and so in general, you mentioned Boston as a team looking for centers, uh, maybe the Rangers. I don't know. Uh, who else do you, do you see maybe looking for a third, a fourth line center uh, out there, a playoff team? I, I think uh, one team is going to be uh, Colorado. Mm, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, okay. I, I think they're just look. I, I think they're going to try to add depth down the middle. I think they understand how important it is. Um, and uh, so I think that's a team, and I, and I think that they will be willing to pay a premium to get it to get the right guy. Mm. Well, Sturm obviously won a Stanley Cup with them, and so obviously he's not mm-hmm. going to play too high in the lineup for a team like that. But he is a guy that 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 can help you. Do you think Colorado's looking more for? Um, well, obviously they have Nathan McKinnon, but beyond that, are they looking more for two C, three C? 4C, what do you think? I I, I think they're probably looking for a, a, a good third-line center mm-hmm. that, um, it, you know, if injuries dictate, they could they can move up and play in a higher role. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that I think that's a team that's definitely going to go after a center. Okay, okay, okay. Well, hopefully they, they like Randlin then. <laughs> but uh, finally, uh, 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 moving on to, actually, we have a couple more positions left. Only one defenseman I'm going to ask you about, uh, just because his name's been bandied about. It's interesting that his name is out there because he's young. Uh, he's just 25, uh, Mario Ferraro. And Mario Ferraro's got uh, three years left on his contract at uh, three years, including this year. His AAV is $3.25 million. He's an interesting guy because um, I don't know what your scouts think, but a lot of the scouts that I, I talk to, uh, I feel like uh, they're sort of torn about him. Uh, everybody loves his competitiveness, his off-the-ice, his leadership. Um, he skates well. Um, one-on-one, he defends hard. He always plays hard, too. Uh, but before this season, though, his puck moving, I think, was a bit of a concern. Uh Maybe this year, though, it's better. It looks the last couple of months like his puck moving has come along quite a bit, at least uh, to my eye. Um, so I wonder how your scouts have seen Amara Farrell this year, if they've seen any growth in his game. Yeah, our scouts really like this guy. Hmm. We rate him a 520. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, we really like him. He's a two-way defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um there are, you know, there are a lot of guys that are that are great going going forward and offensive. You know, Eric Carlson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there's some other guys that are that are big bodies that can stay back in their own end. This guy, this guy's got the potential to, to, to do both, mm. and um, he's a really good skater. Well, yeah, he's a good skater. Put it that way. Sure. Um, where he's really good is he's smart. Mm. He's he's a really smart player. Um, better defensively than offensively, but he can, but he can do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, competitive, as you said, um, but he can make plays with the puck. And like you said he seems to be doing it a lot better this year. And he can he can contribute on special teams. Both he can he can he can be on your power play unit if you need him there, and he can and he can kill penalties as well. Um, so. Yeah, our guys like him. I think I think you know he's not real tall, but he's a solid guy. Sure. And, uh, and his physicality could improve a little bit. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's he could potentially be a a top pair D, like a number two D in the oh, right. You guys position. like him a lot. 
Okay. Yeah, in the right organization. Yeah, like I, I, I talked to a lot of scouts who don't, at least not this season, but the uh, seasons past that have not liked him as much, see him as more of a like a really, really good bottom pairing defenseman. I've always contended myself, though, that he's just on a bad, he looks bad because he's on a bad team. On a much yeah. better team, his abilities would shine. And I don't know if, I mean, top pairing, that's, that's very lofty. I've always thought that he would be a very solid middle pairing guy for a playoff team if he has the right guys around him. But anyway, mm-hmm. regardless, though, so uh, Marifaro, good. Uh, what kind of trade value do you think he can get? Do you think that he might be able to pull that elusive first-round pick? Um, possibly. If somebody, you know, somebody, who's got, somebody who's got an injury situation on D that's really trying to you know, still make a run at it, or, or, or a team that's trying to fortify their their D, mm-hmm. you know, with one more solid defenseman. There's always somebody like that. Um, I and, and and given the trade deadline and the way uh, you know people overpay for things, um, he's his cap hit is not uh, terrible, and uh, you know he's got time left on a contract too. Right, right. He's young too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's. Uh, yeah, there's 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 a lot of upside with him overall. Um, I I I think somebody would uh, who would uh, drop a first line pick, a first round pick for him. Um, certainly a second round pick for sure. Oh sure sure yeah yeah no I that that, that I I've heard. I don't know why the Sharks, given their situation right now, would want to move a guy like this. Right. I, we, uh, King and I, we've debated this on the show uh, quite a bit because uh, not just his on the ice, but his off the ice intangibles. And he's young enough mm-hmm. that he can be part of your next good Sharks team. Yeah. But my guess is that they're probably angling for an overpayment. If somebody's going to pay through the nose, you get that first yeah. round pick. Maybe you get something else along with it um, for your young, uh, for a young defenseman. Um, then maybe that's, that's what they're kind of looking for. Right. Yeah. But, um, but they'd be, They'd be they'd be good to keep this guy, um, given the, given where their organization is right now. Um, you know he's a he he's a solid he's a solid guy in any lineup, and awesome. and again he's a two way defenseman. Mm-hmm. Well, thank yeah. uh, thank goodness, Sharks fans, we it's something positive. <laughs> yeah, one one thing, and it's um, yeah, like you said, it, it. I don't know what the Sharks' defense would look like without Mario Ferraro. It would just be kind of a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you, and I don't know this, but I know the person. Um, I could see a David Quinn really liking a Mario Ferraro. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I I think I think David loves Ferraro and would be. Um, I mean, we. Mm-hmm. I mean, David unfortunately has seen a lot of players he's liked, like a Timo Meyer and Eric Carlson, <laughs> uh, leave. Mm-hmm. And so I don't I don't know if. Uh, yeah, I, I feel I feel, I feel bad for David. Uh, for another one of his uh, favorites leaves this this guy this guy is a lot like david was as a player oh that's interesting, interesting. i actually know yeah because david's career actually uh since this is sort of a side but we don't know a lot about david quinn the player and i don't know if you guys know if you guys listening or watching know this but david was actually a first round pick I believe yeah. by the North Stars in, in, in the right. 80s, defenseman and um, the first round pick. Um, and his career ended with, I believe, with uh, uh, blood, right? Um, blood clotting. He had a blood clotting yeah. issue. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so, anyway, uh, 
you know, you know David uh, for quite a while. Just what was David like as a player? Yeah, he was a he was a very good two way defenseman out of Rhode Island, and then played at at Boston University. I was in college with him at the same time, um, not at Boston University, but at the street, the, the school up the street. <laughs> and uh, my roommate was actually the second round pick that year of the Minnesota North Stars, Ken really? Ken Hodges, Ken Hodges Jr. Oh. Um, so I knew David quite well, and he he, yeah. he was a real strong player. And it was unfortunate um, with his medical situation that he wasn't able to play in the NHL. But um, but a two way D, very smart player, and um, it, you know there's there's a lot of value there. Mm. And also very competitive, right? So maybe yeah. Merrill yeah. is a guy that, that that David I don't know sees after himself, and so yeah, maybe he'll. Uh, uh, knock on Mike's door a couple of times before the deadline and, and, and puts in a good word for, uh, for, for Mario. <laughs> <laughs> but one more guy for you. And thanks so much uh, for your time, uh, Micah. This yeah. has been a uh, really uh, insightful, uh, one more guy for you. Let's go to, uh, uh between the pipes. And we have a couple Kakinen uh, who's had a very, very strong season on a bad team, but a very, very strong season overall. And, uh, he is going to be a UFA currently 2.75 million AAV. And so what have your scouts seen uh, of Capo? Um, so this guy's uh this guy's a good goalie. I mean, he's a he's an NHL starting goalie, and they're not oh, easy okay. to find. And um, I think you know, for the next three years, he 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 can and will be a, a starting goalie. Um, he's very athletic, you know, butterfly guy, but he's very athletic. Um, he recovers well. Um, he moves, he moves side to side very well. Um, probably if there's, uh, you know, if there's some weakness in his game is he could use a stick a little bit better. Mm. Um, but, um, but the way he moves in his athleticism is, is really good. Um, they'll think he's, he's trending upward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his size is decent. And um, he's the last two years, I think, as a number one guy, he's gained a lot of experience. Um, so remember, uh, you know, goalies tend to develop later than than uh, skaters. And so at, you know, what is he, 28? 27. Yeah, 27, 27 years yeah. old. You know, he's got he's got some years ahead of him. Right. Mm. Um, now, I don't think. I don't think he plays as big as he is. Not that he's a giant, but I think a lot of that has to do with his style. He's a butterfly guy. So maybe he looks mm-hmm. a little smaller than he actually is in there. Um, but again, very athletic guy. And um, I think with, with some good coaching too, um, he'll be a, he'll be a number one guy. Yeah, I think with Coppola, I mean, you touched on an interesting point um, that in terms of just sort of his ceiling, we've actually heard that about uh, Coppola since he's been with the Wild, right? Because he was sort of the Minnesota Wild's heir apparent. And then the Sharks actually tr- made, uh, they traded a good amount for him a couple of trade deadlines ago. They traded uh, Jake Middleton uh, for him, pretty good mm-hmm. defenseman there for him. And yeah. I don't, he's never really run with the number one job in terms of just the games he's played, right? Never really been in the playoffs. Um, so he's still kind of 
just like sort of a, a, a mystery box just in so far as he's obviously talented, but we haven't really seen him kind of take over and be like the uh, un, uh, undisputed number one guy for, for, for somebody. But what you say is interesting though. It does kind of, uh, I guess, back up what we have heard about Coppo over the years, just sort of uh, just the kind of talent amount of talent that he does have. And um for uh for a team acquiring him uh he's got some upside because you don't have to pay a number one starting goaltending price for him i think it's not like you had to pay a uc sorrows no. price for him right and if you believe in the talent then maybe you can get something out of him that uh the wild haven't been able to the sharks haven't quite been able to yet uh so anyway uh, what do you think uh goalies though of course are notoriously hard to peg sure. because uh they just uh they they don't go for a lot usually unless it's a kind of a elite guy and so what do you, what do you think his, his trade value uh, could be? So I, I, again, as you said, you know, goalie trades, not, uh, not a lot of them at the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. These are deals that usually take place in the summer. Um, I also think that if somebody's really out there trying to find a, a, a top goalie right now, they're probably looking at Boston. Uh, because Boston's got that situation with uh, with the two number ones, as they they seem mm-hmm. still seem mm-hmm. to think they have there. And Markstrom too, right? Yeah, yeah. And Markstrom's uh, another guy. Yeah. And Markstrom's on. Um, I had Markstrom when he was young. Um, I like him. He's a good kid. He's a giant of a guy. Um, I think it'd be pretty tough. Uh, pretty tough to make him your guy of the future, but maybe he's a guy, you know, it, yeah. it, it, I think it would be tough to, to trade this guy right now. Um, if you could, you know, you, you know, maybe a team in need would, would give you a third round pick for him. Or for for Kakinen? Yeah. 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 Because there's guys ahead of him in line. Yeah. That, that's what I was getting at when I brought up uh, Mark Strum and you, you bring up the Boston goalie, Sorrell's name has been thrown mm-hmm. out there too. So like, if you want a true blue number one, uh, it, 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 it might be out there. And yeah. if you want to roll the dice on captain, but playoff teams like you kind of allude to aren't, aren't trying to roll the dice on their goaltending uh, this sure. late into the season. And if they're getting somebody that's insurance policy, like a captain might be for them, they're not going to trade a lot for them. So this, yeah. all this leads me to say that like, maybe, for the Sharks, it might be worth just keeping him because he's not very expensive. Even if he hits free agency, he's not likely to be that expensive. Right. I I um I I don't know why. You, yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't keep him. Um, again, it's I don't know their plan, but who do you who do you want to play next year? You know, and what type of team are you going to have? I mean, are you going to make the leap to be a playoff contender next year? No. <laughs> um, you know, and, and uh, you know, this is a this is a good, solid guy who still has some years ahead of him. Yeah. Um, I I wouldn't have any problem if I was the Sharks coming back with a guy like this on a reasonable contract and and playing him next year. Yeah, and just have him in Blackwood, and that's sort of a good sort of a support for your rebuild that uh, your guys can grow and develop with some good goaltending behind them, which will, will I think, help them kind of learn good habits. Uh, right. They're not always the kind of uh, uh, 
trying to make up for their goaltending. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, uh, one more big question for you. We've talked about a lot of names here. Uh, we just hit uh, the four wingers, Granlin, Sturm, Ferraro, and Kakinen. Anybody else on the Sharks that you see as sort of a sneaky trade deadline candidate that we missed? Um, gee, uh, let me look quick through here. And see if anybody. I mean, it's. I mean, it's it's tough. I I, I don't see any sneaky guys. Okay. Um, I'm 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 guessing that uh, everything's okay right now with uh, Logan Couture. Uh, we really have no idea about that. But anyway, yeah. with his contract, as good a player as Logan is and as desirable as he yeah. is as a kind of a playoff guy, his contract would make it, yeah, uh, probably prohibited yeah. to move him right now. So, yeah. Um, but um, I'm just going through some some guys here. Yeah, it's tough because um, it doesn't seem like there's a lot besides these UFAs that we can – A lot yeah, of young, unproven guys, too, that um, show yeah, disability, but not, not for a playoff run. Yeah, and, but they're also not guys that you really want to give up right now. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, they want to see what you got of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think probably the best the best uh, trade piece they have is is probably Duclair. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I say that because I, I'm not trading Ferraro if I'm sure. the Sharks. Sure. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, um, I think after that, probably Granlin and Stern is that mm-hmm. some teams may want. I don't think that I think I don't think they're the first guys people are gonna call for mm-hmm. at the deadline. Um but um, you know, everybody doesn't get what they want, and as it gets closer and closer to the deadline and you haven't done anything, uh you know, somebody's still going to be out there looking for, you know, a center, a depth guy. Um, you know, I think Colorado's looking for a little bit higher end guy, but if they don't get them and they still want a center, maybe they come knocking for a, a Grandland or, mm-hmm. or even a Sturm, right? Okay. Um, but I think Duclair probably is, uh, is probably their best piece to move at the deadline. All right. Love it. Third round picks, everybody. Let's uh, prayer circle for a third round pick. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Take what we can get. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's an advantage, as I said earlier, that they're a you know they know they're a seller, um, mm-hmm. but you don't want to disrupt your plan, you know. Sure. And uh, I don't know what their plan is, um, but I hope they do have a plan. I mean, you don't. I don't think you go through a season like they did this year so far without having a plan for the future. I mean, it, you know, it, it takes it takes some guts to stick with it. You know, I'm sure the the fans aren't happy. Uh, you know, and uh, and you hear a lot of it through the years, but you 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 got to stick to your guns and and stick to the plan. Right. And so. You know, I don't think you want to move any of these any of these younger pieces. I think you've got a good, solid guy in in goal, um, and 
let's be honest, they're not going to win the cup probably in the next year or two or three. Um, so that guy doesn't have to be your Stanley Cup winning goaltender. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys don't have to be your, you know, your depth in the middle at center. Hopefully those guys are, are coming. Yeah. But ultimately, I think any, any championship team, and these are the teams that are going to be buying, they need to be strong down the middle. Okay. They need they need to be strong in goal, and they need to be, you know, two at least, and probably three deep in the middle. If you're gonna if you're gonna challenge to win the cup. Yep. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Well, Mike, uh, thank you again uh, for the time at this uh, late hour. Uh, yeah, really appreciate it. Hopefully it helps you guys, and uh, it does. It does, and hopefully everybody absolutely. knows what Team Thirty Three is now. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> look, any uh, any of your folks that uh, that are interested, send them our way. We'll be happy to talk with them. And we are still working on hopefully by this summer developing uh, an app that that fans will be able to use as well. Great, love that. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you very much. All right, thank you guys. so much, Mike. Nice to see you. Let's see. Yep. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe I'll come on after the deadline, and we'll and we'll analyze what happened. Yeah, oh, that's a great good. idea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I love that. All right. Idea. Have All a right. good night, guys. Have a good night.